generally speaking. About crime. About crime, yeah. Yeah. What's this called again? We keep changing it. We keep changing it, that's right. Are you going to make me guess what it's about? No. Okay. Is it? (laughs) I'm going to guess it's a murder. That's my guess. Eh. Really? It's not a murder? Kidnapping. Eh. Bank robbery? No. That was so last few months. (laughs) That's so Patty Hearst. You won't be able to guess because you know what? It's probably not a skyjacking because you know, we've already I done that. I kind of broke the rules because um, I chose to do someone who disappeared. Okay. Um, no tr- crime was really committed. This was a story that has fascinated me for a long time, and I think we discussed it on the intro. Oh, I know who we're talking about. Who are we talking about? Amelia Earhart. Yes. <laughs> are you disappointed? No, I'm excited. That's awesome. All right. I was really worried that you were going to pick somebody that I had never heard of, and I'm like... Like Bobby Smith? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like... Everyone knows Bobby Smith. I feel like just I'm pretty up on crimes. I know yeah. that sounds weird, but <laughs> like I've watched every episode of Unsolved Mysteries like 50 times. But so. wouldn't it be fascinating to hear about something yeah. or a crime that you didn't know existed? Yeah, that would be interesting too. I just, I feel like I'd be sitting here like not having anything to contribute. So I'm glad I've, I mean, I've, I'm also fascinated with Amelia. Do you Earhart, have something so. to contribute to the story? Uh, pr- probably. Okay. Yeah. But I'm going to let you take it away, right. and I'm going to hear the story of Amelia Earhart. Okay. All right. So, first of all, as I already said, that I brought this up during the intro, like, what really got me started into, like, Unsolved Mysteries and mm-hmm. True Crime, like, Amelia Earhart definitely stuck with me um, during middle school and high school. Then I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts called Against the Odds, which I know okay. I talked to you about. Yep. So I haven't tried it yet. I, I'm, I'm, I just finished the podcast, so I'm looking for something else to listen to. So, okay. yeah. Well, so Amelia Earhart was one of the subjects of this okay. podcast. And this podcast really tells the story of different situations that are difficult to get out of. Mm-hmm. Are usually our survivors. Okay. It tells how these people survived whatever terrible situation they were in. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the stories they, they uh, told was the Chilean Mine Rescue, mm-hmm. the K2 Mountain Rescue, Teddy Roosevelt's Amazon Expedition, mm-hmm. the Donner Party, Submarine mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Rescue, which is the Squalus, which I was Wait, which one? about. The Submarine Rescue. Oh, okay. The Squalus. Not familiar with that one. Do I know that one? Andes. Which one I was... Did. I was talking to your husband about that. Oh, Okay. Maybe he's, he's probably a guy. guy. He's a Navy guy, so yeah. he would probably know that. So I said, stand back here. You don't know what we're talking <laughs> right, about. Right. Makes sense. Um, so I also went to AmeliaEarhart.com, okay. um, her official website, History.com. Mm-hmm. There were my other sources. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liked about the podcast was that it really focused on everything that she accomplished leading up to her disappearance. So yeah. the disappearance was probably only like a 10-minute mess, uh, mm-hmm. mention mm-hmm. in the podcast, which mm-hmm. surprised me. I was expecting to hear a lot more. But it was all, you know, the story of how she came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's true in that we don't ever hear about that, really. Like, right. Amelia Earhart's mostly known for her disappearance. Disappearance, yeah. But she was, a, she was an amazing pilot. I mean, yeah. she was ahead of her time, really, in many ways. So Yeah, so I don't think enough credit <coughs> is given to what she accomplished. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into this, shall Great. we? Yes, we shall. Okay. So Amelia Earhart, uh, she was born in Kansas to her parents, Amy and Edwin Earhart, on July 24th, 1897. She did have a uh, younger sister, Muriel, who was born a couple years later. 
Uh, she lived primarily with her maternal grandparents hmm, in, interesting. in Kansas during the school year and spent summers with her parents in Kansas City then. Hmm. And despite her grandmother's approval or disapproval, Amelia spent her free time roaming the outdoors. So she was riding her imaginary horses, climbing trees, sledding, and hunting. And then she also kept a scrapbook of newspaper clippings about successful women in predominantly male-oriented fields, including film direction and production, law, advertising, management, and mechanical engineering. So you could probably tell at a young age she was already looking to do more than what the typical woman was doing back then. Right, right. So in 1908, uh, an airplane for the first time at the Iowa State Fair, and later recalled being unimpressed. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, she would have been like, she would have been what, a teenager then when she first saw her, she was born when? 1897, so not quite that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next few years were very turbulent for her. Um, her family moved around a lot because her grandmother passed away, and she was the, her primary caretaker, mm-hmm. and her father was an alcoholic. So um, Amelia and her mother and her sister moved to Chicago. Hmm. And she excelled in her studies and graduated from Hyde Park High School in Chicago. Uh, she went on to attend the Ogons School, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, which is an exclusive finishing school outside of Philadelphia. She excelled in her studies, but she did not graduate, choosing instead to volunteer at Toronto's Spadina Military Hospital as a nurse for wounded World War I soldiers. Mm. And she began to spend time watching pilots in the Royal Flying Corps uh, train at a local airfield while in Toronto. And then while in Toronto, she attends a flying exposition with a friend. A stunt pilot dove at Amelia and her friend while they were on the ground, but Amelia just stood there. Mm -hmm. And she points to this incident as a personal awakening. So that was the point of her life where she knew she wanted to fly. Gotcha. And then in 1919, Amelia entered the pre-med program at Columbia University, but after a year decided to leave to join her parents who had reunited in Los Angeles. It was here that she attended an air show on Long Beach with her father. With famed World War I pilot Frank Hawk, she took her first ride in an airplane and became hooked on flying. Wow. And then in 1921, she began to take flying lessons and to pay for her lessons and eventually her first plane. Um, she worked a variety of jobs, including truck driver, photographer, and stenographer. And she passed her flying test and was issued a pilot's license, and she began her flying career. She was also able to purchase a Kinner Airster biplane. Okay. It was yellow, mm-hmm. so she called it the Canary. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, two days later, after uh, receiving that pilot's license, she flew in the Pacific Coast Ladies Derby in Pasadena. Hmm. So she was already on a roll. Wow. Days later, after uh, receiving that pilot's license, she flew in the Pacific Coast Ladies Derby in Pasadena. Hmm. So she was already on a roll. Wow. Uh, in 1922, so just about a year later, she set an unofficial altitude record for female pilots after flying the Canary to 14,000 square feet. Or, I'm sorry, 14,000 feet on a solo flight. Wow, that's pretty high for a yeah. biplane, I would think. <laughs> yeah. And then in 1923, she was issued an international pilot's license, becoming the 16th woman ever to achieve this. Mm-hmm. 1924, so as I said, like every year she's accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did in 1924 take a break from flying due to family upheaval. She tried again at Columbia University, but decided to return to Boston and find work as a teacher and social worker. 
But while working at the Denison House, which is a settlement house for immigrants, she helped publicize a fundraiser by dropping hundreds of pamphlets from her from plane. From her plane, yeah. And that stunt helped to catch the eye of um, a publisher looking for his next big seller. Yeah. So one afternoon then, in April of 1928, a phone call came for Amelia at work asking, how would you like to be the first woman to fly the Atlantic? Oh, that sounds exciting. To which Amelia said, what did she say? No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I always guess wrong when you ask me this. (laughs) Right. After an interview in New York with the project coordinators, including the book book publisher and publicist George P. Putnam, she was asked to join pilot Wilmer Bill Stutz and co-pilot mechanic Louis E. Slim Gordon. Uh, What I liked about the podcast that I mentioned earlier was that um, they really go into detail how difficult it was to get the seaplane off the ground, Mm -hmm. or off the water, I should Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. they were chucking things into the water to lighten the load mm-hmm. because they couldn't get the plane to take off. Oh wow! This and was a seaplane they yeah, were trying it was to. A seaplane okay. They were trying because they figured it would be safer if they be able, if they had to land. Yeah, they could over land the ocean. Yeah. They can at least land in the right. water. Right. Um, and one of the pilots uh, had quite the fondness for the drink, so um, <laughs> that was aggravating, I think, to Amelia too. Just sure. like it's time to take off, but yeah. then the, the one of the pilots had a hangover. Right. Which well, it sounds like she, she has a family history of of alcoholism oh, too. True. So yeah, that probably bothered her a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the team left Newfoundland. Now I'm afraid to even pronounce, even try to pronounce the name of this plane. Okay. So it's F O. K-K-E-R. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see why. No, that's, I think that's a, like a plane, like, um. It's like a, four, a F7 yeah, named yeah. the friendship. So we'll just. I'm not, I'm not going to say it either because I think if I say it, it will come out wrong, but I think that's the name of a plane company or something like that. And then Alexis will have to bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the beep F-17 or whatever. <laughs> what was it? F like, something? What was Amelia riding around in? Jeez. <laughs> what was it? It was a. F O K K E R. Yeah, and what was the rest? Huh? (laughs) Okay. Okay, Wasn't there a movie with like the (laughs) meet the meet the meet the Fockers or something? (laughs) Hey, meet my plane. This is the Focker. Was it F fourteen or something? That's why I was trying to put a long O on it to take that away. Foker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not as not as much fun as the other way to say it, but no, I think that's a. Pretty sure that's the name of a company. It's like uh, Boeing or something like that's okay. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they took okay. off June 17, 1928, and they arrived in Wales approximately 21 hours later. Wow, that's cool. Um, this landmark flight made headlines worldwide because three pilots had died within the year trying to be the first woman to fly across the Atlantic before them. And when the crew returned to the United States, they were greeted with a ticker tape parade yep, I in New York yep. and a reception held by President Calvin Coolidge at the White House. Wow. Uh, Amelia did not think she deserved any acclaim for being the first woman passenger on a transatlantic flight. So she wasn't actually she doing the flying? Fly. Oh, okay. She was a passenger. Okay. She said, Stutz did all the flying. He had to. I was just baggage like a sack of potatoes. Hmm. And then she added, maybe someday I'll try it alone. So in summer of 1928, this is a little bit later in the year, her book about the friendship was uh, published, and it was called 
20 Hours, 40 Minutes, and that was published by George Putnam, and it quickly promoted her to celebrity status. Mm -hmm. She went on a national book tour, endorsed products like Lucky Strike Cigarettes, even though she didn't smoke, and Modern Air Earhart Luggage. And she became known as Lady Lindy because of her resemblance to Charles Lindbergh. Mm -hmm. And then she also became um, aviation editor for Cosmopolitan magazine. Mm -hmm. So in August of 1929, Amelia bought another airplane, a single-engine Lockheed Vega. In the Vega, she participated in the women's air derby race from Santa Monica to Cleveland, coming in third place. And then on uh, November 2nd, 1929, she helped found the 99s, which is the first organization for women aviators. She became the first president in 1931 and held that position for two years, during which time she also used her celebrity status to pr promote the growth of American commercial airlines. Then on July 5th, 1930, Amelia set the women's world flying speed record of 101.18 miles per hour. Wow. Between 1930 and 1935, she set seven women's speed and distance records. February 7th, 1931, she married George Putnam. She married the publisher? Yep. Who was also married. <gasps> Wait. Scandal. He was divorced, though. Yeah, well. Okay. Or, yeah, <laughs> I don't mean to get ahead of your so, yeah, I know. The story no, 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 here. No, I didn't go into that. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, I didn't go into the marital drama, <laughs> okay. but um, we can certainly do that right now. Great, okay. Uh, the podcast mentioned... Um, he, that he had a, he was quite taken with her, mm -hmm. and he was married at the time, mm -hmm. and his wife uh, became frustrated and just left because she could tell oh, that he was know, in love with somebody else. Yes, yeah. uh, not to say that anything had happened. It's mm -hmm. just he oh was yeah, clearly yeah. enamored yeah. by yeah. her. Um, when I did some further research, it sounded like his wife was having an affair somewhere else. So oh. really, it worked out for everybody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's interesting because um, I mean, I've I've seen things about Amelia Earhart, and it never. I know. It didn't mentioned too much about her husband um and i did not realize it was her publisher so yeah. that's that's interesting yep so weary of the institution of marriage amelia refused george's proposal six times before she agreed it's like yeah all right <laughs> you wore me down <laughs> she emphasized that her marriage was a partnership with dual control so she kept her last name right and i believe they kept it like an open marriage like you know she We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, you filled the blank there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and there was no such thing as just the man being a breadwinner. You know, right, because she was successful in her own right, it sounds like. I mean, she's, like, setting records, and, you know, she's involved in different organizations and um, really becoming pretty popular in the United oh, yeah, States. Oh, yeah, she didn't and, need him. Yeah. So in 1932, <laughs> Amelia wrote her second book. Well, maybe she didn't need him. Okay. Uh, she wrote her second book, The Fun of It. Um, and then May 20th, 21, 1932, her and George started work on secret plans for her to become the first woman and the second person to fly solo across the Atlantic. Okay. So, of course, the first being Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. Yep. Yes, yep. Charles Lindbergh. Yep. Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. Yep. On May 20th, 1932, five years to the day after Lindbergh, she took off from Newfoundland to Paris. Strong north winds, icy conditions, and mechanical problems plagued the flight and forced her to land in a pasture near Londonderry, Ireland. So I've been to Londonderry. I know where that is. Yeah, there's a. I think there's even like a marker or a museum there. Okay, that was not on our tour. Now I'm going to have to oh, go back. Okay, and... go back. <laughs> 
So as word of her flight spread, the media surrounded her both overseas and in the U.S. President Herbert Hoover presented Earhart with a gold medal from the National Geographic Society. Very nice. And Congress awarded her with the Distinguished Flying Cross, the first ever given to a woman. Uh, in 1932, she became, actually later that year, August of 1932, Amelia became the first woman to fly solo across the North American continent and back. Hmm. 1933, uh, she flew across North America for a second time, breaking her own record with a faster flight time. 1934, she received the Harmon Trophy for America's Outstanding Air Woman for the third year in a row. Wow. Um, January 11th, 1935, she was the first person to fly solo from Honolulu, Hawaii, to Oakland, California. That's a long flight. I mean, I've flown to Hawaii, to Hawaii not from Oakland to Hawaii, but that's a long time in the air. I mean, on today's jets. Yes. Like, that would have been, that. that's a, that's a lot of time over the ocean. Mm-hmm. And she also flew solo from Los Angeles to Mexico City, and later from Mexico City to New York. And then in between flights, she worked as a career counselor to women at Purdue University. Ah, good for her. Yes, yeah, so yeah. she's just, yeah. she's just flying all over the place. And you have to think about, like, the planes that they were flying then are not what oh. we have now. So, you yeah. know, like, yeah. no. <laughs> none of the amenities that we have on, no. like, planes. and that planes. was the interesting thing, actually, the friendship that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. They were lightening their load, trying to get that seaplane yeah. to take off. When they started finally take off, I think someone... One of the pilots like fell against one of the doors and the door busted open. Okay. So then they had to like tie it closed mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. use like a gas can to, yep. as the weight to keep it shut for the entire That's crazy. plane ride. Yeah. It's like I couldn't even imagine. That was what they flew across the Atlantic? Yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> and you just, there was just stories about what else had happened during mm-hmm. that flight that you just don't know about how dangerous it is. Right, right. Until you hear these oh, yeah, stories. Yeah. Although I think at this time in like aviation history, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but they're making a lot of develop I mean there are a lot of advances in in like aeronautical technology oh, yeah. and stuff. So yeah. planes are coming a long way from like what she saw in nineteen oh seven to what she's flying in nineteen thirty five. Yeah. So well true. Yeah. It's not like those rickety like <laughs> right. paste together with sticks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's nearing her fortieth birthday. She was ready for a monumental and final challenge. She wanted to be the first woman to fly around the world. Mm-hmm. And her and her husband planned for this world flight, raising money and consulting with advisors, mechanics, and navigators. And then Purdue University financed a new plane for Amelia, a Lockheed Electra 10E. And then March 17, 1937, Amelia and her navigator, Fred Noonan, mm-hmm along with Captain Harry Manning and stunt pilot Paul Mance, fly the first leg of the trip from Oakland, California to Honolulu. So there was four people in the plane for the first? Okay, you'll see why. Okay, all right. So they flew from Oakland to Honolulu, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. This was like that reverse of that flight that she had done before. Mm -hmm. So just to give you an idea how long that took them, it was 15 hours and 47 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. It's like six hours? Yeah, I mean, so when we went to Honolulu, we flew from Atlanta to Honolulu, so... Um, oh, okay, it's a little... It's a little bit longer, but even then, like, we left at 10 a.m. Atlanta time and got at Honolulu at 3 o'clock their time, so... Yeah, but there's no way flying from Oakland today to Honolulu. It would, it would not take 15 hours. hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they try to continue from Honolulu three days later, so they want to continue on that trip, mm-hmm. um, the round-the-world trip, the plane ground loops during takeoff, and they have to call off the flight. Because it severely damaged the plane. Wait, what happened to it? 
it, it ground loops. It sounded like that was like an electrical problem. Oh, okay. And it severely damaged the plane. So then oh. they couldn't continue on. Okay. So despite the botched attempt, Amelia had that twin engine uh, electro mm-hmm. rebuilt. And she had said, I have a feeling that there is just one more good flight left in my system, and I hope this trip is it, she said. Hmm. So June 1st, 1937, um, a little bit later in the year, earlier in the year, they had tried um, flying around the world. This is their second attempt. This time, they're departing from Miami, Florida, with the plan of traveling from west to east. So before, okay. they were traveling right. um, from east, east to, to west, west right. which some will say that was a fatal mistake because the le- that was going to make the first leg of the trip. If they continued on how it was originally planned, mm-hmm. the first leg of the trip would have included Howland Island, which right. is the mm-hmm. island right. she was looking for when right. she disappeared. Right. Um, she was really nervous about finding that island. and so, It's pretty tiny. It's not yes. very big, like either lengthwise or... Um, yeah. I'm sure it was hard oh, it was to see. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy size. I think I have that in here too. It's just they thought that if she could have handled that landing like early on in the trip when mm-hmm. she was not as fatigued, right. she would have been able to do it. Right. But because they had that ground loop mm-hmm. malfunction, um, they switched plans around and so okay. Howland Island came up toward the end of the trip. Okay. Because they're going west to east, so they've already gone over like Africa and yeah. And yeah. then, so they're yeah. coming out to Howland Island, like they're coming back towards the United States. Right. Okay. So this time, well, Fred Noonan is the only crewman. Right. Crew okay. uh, member on the second flight. So at this point, they had completed nearly 22,000 miles of the flight. And as you said, they stopped in South America, Africa, India, and New Guinea. By June 29th, when they landed in New Guinea, all but 7,000 miles had been completed. So they only wow. had 7,000 miles left. Frequently, uh, inaccurate maps had made navigation difficult for Noonan, and their next hop, Howland Island, was by far the most challenging. Mm -hmm. Howland Island is located 2,556 miles from Lake New Guinea in the mid-Pacific. It's a mile and a half long Mm -hmm. and half a mile wide. Right. So that's what they had to deal with. Right. It's like, why did you pick somewhere? There's no bigger island out there? Like, yeah, yeah. Every unessential item was removed from the plane to make room for additional fuel, which gave Amelia approximately 274 extra miles. The U.S. Coast Guard cutter Atiska, I think is how you pronounce it, which was a radio contact, was stationed just offshore of Holland Island. Two other U.S. ships ordered to burn every light on board were positioned along the flight route as markers. Mm-hmm. And Amelia had said that Holland is such a small spot in the Pacific that every aid to locating it must be available. So mm-hmm. she could tell she was nervous about finding right. it. Right. So on July 2nd, around 10 o'clock local time, air took off. Despite ideal weather reports, they flew into overcast skies and intermittent rain showers. This made Noonan's favorite method of tracking, which was celestial navigation, difficult. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't see the stars. As dawn neared, Amelia called the Atiska, reporting cloudy weather, cloudy. In later transmissions, Amelia asked the Atiska to take bearings on her. The Atiska sent her a steady stream of transmissions, but she could not hear them. Her radio transmissions, irregular through most of the flight, were faint or interrupted with static. At 7.42 a.m., the Atiska picked up the message 
We must be on you, but we cannot see you. Fuel is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1,000 feet. So they're not that, 1,000 feet is not that high up no. at that point, right? I mean, right. you'd think that they'd be able to see something. Yeah, yeah. The ship tried to reply, but the plane seemed not to hear. At 8.45 a.m., Amelia reported, we are, running, we are running north and south. Nothing further was heard from her. President Roosevelt issued a massive search for Amelia and Noonan, and George Putnam financed his own search until October 1937, but their efforts were unsuccessful. So on July 5th, 1939, Amelia Earhart was declared legally dead in a court in Los Angeles. So a few years later. Mm -hmm. I did put this down, even though this is kind of unrelated. I was wondering how long it took then for the first female pilot to actually travel around the world. Mm -hmm. And her name was Jerry Mock, and she completed the flight in 1964. So we jumped wow, from 1939 okay. yeah. to 64, which is 25 years later, and then she was able to finish the flight. Supposedly, she did the same flight path as Amelia Earhart. Really? She landed on Howland Island? Yeah, I was trying to, they mentioned that it was the same flight plan mm -hmm. as, excuse me, as Amelia, but I couldn't see that she actually did yeah. fly to Howland. I mean, I, when I, you... I'm scared. I don't know if I... It'd be like, this is cursed. I don't think I want yeah. to be I think when you get out there into that part of the Pacific, though, there really are not a lot of mm -hmm. islands where you can actually land. I mean... Yeah, right. But, you know, by 1964, the technology was probably oh, so well much better. Yeah, like yeah. Radio oh, yeah. yeah. So I do remember, so Unsolved Mysteries did this whole thing on Amelia Earhart and, like, what happened? Where is she? Yeah. And I do remember them saying that she was not, um, and it's not a criticism, but she um, was not especially well-trained on how to use the radio, and they think that that, oh. it's like you said, right? So the cutter that's out there sending her messages she she's not familiar enough with how the radio operated and, mm -hmm. and she couldn't hear them and she so that they think that was her inexperience was exactly yeah yeah exactly um so there's several theories mm -hmm. so you probably know all these from watching <laughs> unsolved mysteries okay uh but the most popular theory is that uh her electra ran out of fuel mm -hmm. crashed into the ocean and was swallowed by the sea yep and some feel that this is the best theory because it's the simplest one right. and it's there's no evidence that anything else had happened to her. So right. that's gotta be it. Right. And the theory this theory is also endorsed by the US government. Mm -hmm. So this is the stance that they took. Mm -hmm. There was a company, a deep sea company, Nauticos, in two thousand two and two thousand six. They looked for Earhart's plane near the spot where she last radioed and they have not found anything. Yeah, that, that surprises that, me that they have not found an airplane. But that ocean is so deep. Oh, I, I know. mean, Over all these years that have passed, yeah. and the number of people who are out looking yeah, for yeah, her, yeah, yeah, and the technology that we have yeah. now, you think yeah. that we would find? Something. I mean, we found the Titanic, so like, yeah, you know, <laughs> right? That's not too far down, is it? I think it's probably not. I mean, that part of the Pacific, I think, is like extremely, yeah, yeah very deep. So then there's this other theory of Amelia being a castaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this theory poses that Earhart and Noonan landed their plane on Nikumaro, Nikumaro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Island. I've heard that one. Okay. 350 miles southwest of Holland Island. Mm -hmm. So I did print a picture. I printed out a map. You came last time with like your whole like, evidence pile. <laughs> yeah. All my different sketches. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it's not... When you look at the map, like, yeah. it's not too far off of Holland where you can see like maybe she just... 
Yeah. Started head, heading south, and then she came across that. So way. she left from here to go to here. Yeah. Right? She flew from Australia to New Guinea, mm-hmm. and then the next flight was New Guinea to Howland Island. Right. But I think it's possible. I mean, I don't know if she'd have enough gas, but... Um, I've heard the same thing that 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 her she ended up on Nicomaro. But well, I'll let you tell yeah, the rest of the story. Yeah. Okay. Then you can tell me what you think. Okay. So a skull was found on the island, mm-hmm. along with bones from an arm and leg. Mm-hmm. But a science t- scientist interpreted those bones as belonging to a man in 1941. Hmm. Then in 1998, researchers from the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery reinterpreted them as from a woman of European ancestry about Earhart's height. Hmm. The group has analyzed Earhart's last radio calls to the Itasca, mm-hmm. a U.S., well, we already know what that one was, in support of the theory, and on July 2nd, Earhart radioed the Itasca. She gave the call letters. She gave them what line they were they, mm-hmm. she was at. As we said, the Itasca uh, received, or Tiska, I can't remember mm-hmm. how I was pronouncing it earlier, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, they had received a transmission, but they couldn't get any bearings on the signal. Okay. Okay, so the group believes Earhart and Noonan lived for a long time as castaways on the waterless atoll, relying on rain squalls for drinking water and eventually dying on the island. They believe that, well, actually, they've launched 12 expeditions to the South Pacific, mm-hmm. really trying to locate Earhart and Noonan. And the most recent mission that I can find was 2017, but I, ble- I believe there was probably even once more recent than that. The reason why this group really believes that they landed here, I mean, there's many reasons, mm-hmm. but she never said she was going down. Like in her, okay. her right. radio transmission, she's not saying like Mayday, mm-hmm. or saying mm-hmm. we're gonna crash. Mm-hmm. Never do they hear that. They found no floating debris or an oil slick, mm-hmm. uh, which I know the Navy and Coast Guard was searching. Like after she right. disappeared, they were looking for that. Right. Because um, that's typically what happens after a plane crashes, right? right? So some of the material would float to the, the surface, or you'd see the oil slicks yeah. or something like that. And actually, just what we were saying a couple of minutes ago, there's been six multi-million dollar high-tech searches of the ocean bottom around Holland <clears throat> over the past 22 years, and nothing has been found. Hmm. Hmm. They, they believe that she sent radio distress calls widely received and accepted as genuine at the time for at least five nights. Really? I hadn't yeah, heard I that. Yeah, this was the first I was yeah. thinking about this, too. I mean, you would think that somebody would be able to get down there if she was sending those signals, right? Like, maybe the cutter would be able to get down there, or a ship from, I don't know, Hawaii, or... Right. Because I'm guessing, in this happened when? In 1939? Nine. So, the I'm guessing the U.S. Navy probably had ships around there in Hawaii, or... Right, well, they, yeah. they were doing the, the search. Yeah. yeah. So, supposedly, for at least five nights, she's making these distress calls... Mm-hmm. Um, but by that time, search planes, by the time the search planes arrived, the plane itself, that uh, her Electra, had been mm-hmm. washed into the ocean by tides and surf. Hmm. He also pointed to bones found on the island, which were recorded but subsequently lost, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2018, a professor of anthropology studied the remains and found indications that they were air herds. Huh. Interesting. Um, they also found, I believe, a shoe that was... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, common around that time, mm-hmm. a lady shoe. Okay. They found, um, a, I think it's called a sextant box. Which okay. Is like a, mm-hmm. like, so you are aware of it, mm-hmm. like a navigator's mm-hmm. tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking, and they also found like a plexiglass windshield there. Which so, would not normally be yeah, found right. on that. Yeah. And I guess that, um, there was also 
the remain the um, like I, I guess remains is the right word, but it's where a, a campfire had taken place. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know. Like it's kind of convincing me. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the main issue with this theory is that Navy planes searched the four-mile-long Gardner Island slash Nicomoraro mm -hmm. mm -hmm. right. Island right. um, without seeing her or her plane. Right. So, who knows? Yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other theory is that she was captured by the Japanese. Have you heard that one? Too? I have. Uh, was that also? Well, I'm going to let you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So she was unable to find Howland <laughs> Island. Okay to refuel, so she headed north to the Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands where they were captured. Okay. Then there was, I also printed this off, a photo. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yes. Saying that was her sitting there. Yep, I've seen that picture. Off yep. to the left somewhere. Yep, yep. So this photo was discovered in 2017 hmm. that was buried in the National Archives for nearly 80 years. Hmm. Um, and they believe it depicted Earhart and Noonan days after their disappearance. Mm -hmm. However, the photo was later debunked, and there were there's been no records or anything indicating that Earhart or Noonan were in Japanese custody. Um, so these next two theories get a little interesting. Okay, and you probably have heard these two. Right <laughs> <back. But laughs> we'll Some find out. covers it all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so is it Amelia Earhart or Irene Bolum? I've never heard of who that is. So here's another popular theory, although I've never heard of it. Um, there's an author, W.C. Jameson, who wrote in his book, Amelia Earhart, Beyond the Grave, that he had interviewed the nephew of a former U.S. Army official who said it was common knowledge in high-ranking intelligence circles that Earhart was involved in an intelligence gathering, intelligence gathering operation. Then there was another author, uh, Joseph Gervais, who claimed in Amelia Earhart Lives that she survived the plane crash and was taken prisoner by the Japanese. Mm -hmm. After World War II, Gervais claimed Earhart repatri repatriated. Re yeah, she was repatriated. Repatriated. Yeah. To New Jersey, okay. taking the name Irene Bolum and becoming a baker, as one would. I don't know if I believe that, but it's an interesting theory. Despite the fact <laughs> that Bolum denied being Earhart, so this woman does did exist. And she right. Said, I am not Amelia Earhart. Right, right. And she sued for 1.5 million. People have still latched onto this theory. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're not into that. Um. I mean, I just think from what you've described, I mean, Amelia Earhart was extremely talented. She was really she was a go getter. You don't think she wants to be a banker? I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with. <laughs> I just. I, I'm, I'm skeptical on that okay. one. Yeah. So critics of this theory point out that no government documents supporting the idea that Earhart was a U.S. spy have ever been found. Yeah, I never heard that. And we have aliens, lasers, and zero evidence. I'm for that one, oh. whatever it is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So the area of the South Pacific where Earhart disappeared is reportedly a hotbed for alien activity. So conspiracy theorists imagine that the Easter Island heads were built by aliens using lasers. That there's a skyscraper built by extraterrestrials at the bottom of the Pacific, and that the frog-like statues of Marquesa Island depict an ancient alien race. I'm for this. This is the theory I'm going to go with. Have you heard this theory before? I've not, but oh, I okay. think it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, you sure, know. Okay. <laughs> And although it is not backed by any evidence, some conspiracy theorists say that Amelia Earhart 
while flying over the Pacific made contact with this otherworldly life. The baseless claim says aliens took Amelia Earhart to another planet, <laughs> cryogenically <laughs> froze her, then later on defrosted her for biological exams, Mm-hmm. And then that somehow led to her founding an entire off-world civilization of alien aviators. Earhart's true fate may remain a mystery, but it definitely isn't aliens, I don't think. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm going to say I'm, I'm a no-go on the alien theory. Although it's interesting, and it's funny. <laughs> so Earhart's great-nephew, who I believe was born after she disappeared, yep. thinks the mystery is a particular worth solving. Okay. He kind of sums it all up here. He says that Amelia's life was much more interesting than her disappearance. Mm-hmm. And she really did hope that her flight, or before the flight, she hoped her legacy would continue to inspire others to take on challenges. Yep. All right, so what's the theory you're going with? So I tend to think um, that the simplest explanation is usually so the one that crashed into the ocean. I think she either crashed or she landed on one of these islands and died there. I mean, the Pacific Ocean is huge, and I think, like you said, she was at the end of her flight. Right? Mm-hmm. She's close to the United States. They've been flying for a long time. I think that's you know we think about getting on a plane and it's hard work. I think yeah. flying it. I think it was then. Mm-hmm. I think it was harder then. Um, yeah, I just think they were, I think trying to land on that island, which was really tiny, was going to be difficult on a good day, Yeah, you know, right. and I just think that she either missed the island, couldn't find it, mm-hmm. and probably ran out of gas. Yeah. Um, I don't think aliens had anything to do with it. No, I don't think the God. Easter Island heads were trying yeah. to get her or anything like yeah. that. I think it's interesting that you talked a lot about her life before she disappeared, because like you said, like or like her nephew says... There's so much more to her story mm-hmm. than just disappearing, right? That's what she was, about. yeah, that's right. That's yeah, but she was a real. I think she was a real role model to mm-hmm. women at that time when there was an expectation that you would be a homemaker or a secretary or a teacher or a nurse. And and here's this person that is, you know, not afraid to be like, hey, I'm I'm going to go fly across the Atlantic and I'm going to try to fly around the world. I think that's great. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I want to believe it's, um, uh, what are the Gardner Island or whatever mm-hmm. it's called now, but I just want to believe that. I, I don't know why, because it really, the end result's the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't survive either way. Right, right. But I guess I just like to think that she was that talented, that mm-hmm. she was able to realize she was in trouble, yep. fly some, somewhere, yep. looking for a landing zone or yep. whatever it may be. Yep. And she got out of that plane. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Yeah, but then, as I said, like, they didn't find her. And right. she had to try to survive on that island. And right. Unfortunately, that's, that was uninhabitable. Yeah. I think there's been, like, on, on the Sunset Mysteries episode that I saw, I mean, there was this guy who's like, oh, yeah, I solved the mystery of, of Amelia Earhart because he's, like, a an aviation archaeologist. And thinks that he found part of her plane and he could tell because of where the rivets were on the bottom of it. Oh. But um, I, it seemed like there wasn't enough evidence one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, he was convinced that he had solved it, but I, I haven't. Was this around Howland Island? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that part of. It was either Howland Island or Nicomara. Yeah. Is it Nicomararu? Is that? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll go with that. Is. Okay. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I don't think, I don't know that we're ever going to solve it. I think in our lifetime, we, 
Well, you know, so it's interesting because frustrating though is like just quickly um, the bones that they mm -hmm. measure, mm -hmm. and it was first determined to be a male, mm -hmm. and then as uh, technology advanced, like oh wait, no, it, it was a female. Yeah, because yeah. she was a pretty tall woman. I yeah, she was close to six feet tall. Wow. So that's why someone looking at it, would yeah, say, might oh, think, oh, yeah, it's got to be a male. Right. Right. They can't find those bones anywhere. Yeah, that's crazy. They can't find any of the evidence that they had on that yeah. island anywhere. Yeah. And it just drives me crazy. It's like, well, what did they do with it? Right. Because now you think if they had those bones and they had some relative, like maybe her yeah. sister's children or something like that or whatever, they could compare the DNA samples yeah. and they could make that determination one way or the other. So mm -hmm. it's too bad that they can't find those now. That's that's an unsolved mystery too. Where did they yeah, go? I know. And then that's what starts all the conspiracy Yeah, theories. right, right, right. Like, well, she must have been a spy then. Right. Right. I had not heard that. Um, I don't have any. I don't have any knowledge of that. I mean, um, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I tend to believe the simplest explanation is usually the one that's true. But who knows? Yeah. It was an interesting story. Thanks for the the sure, write up on her. Hmm? I did. Yeah, yeah. I had. I guess. I mean, I knew she was. Um, you know, a decorated and celebrated um, aviatrix. Mm -hmm. I think is how you'd call. It. What? Ooh. You? Yeah. Throwing those words out there. Words. Yeah. Um, but I guess I didn't realize like how how many records she had set. Like she was really a trendsetter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great. I think it's good to know that. And I highly recommend the podcast. Yeah, I'll have to check that so, as out. As I said, it's it's told like a story, um, and you get to see how she started with flying. Yeah. Um, and then it, it briefly touches upon her disappearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, thank it? you for sharing that. That You're was really welcome. interesting. Okay. Yeah. We haven't solved it, but, you know, maybe somebody will someday. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to think that yeah. it will. That yeah. It will be very satisfying to Yes. Yeah. I agree. Uber. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe somebody. Maybe the Earhart's where Cooper is. Yeah, it could be. Maybe they're together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're celestial world. Yeah. <laughs> Controlled by aliens. Yeah. yeah. That's, that seems likely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist, but that even that's a little. Maybe they both flew into a black hole somewhere. That's that possible too. Been yeah, right, right. We should talk about the Bermuda Triangle because oh. that's kind of like <laughs> that's like a black hole for it like is. alien stuff and missing ships and mm -hmm. yeah. That fascinated me too. I know. I always I always liked reading those books about that. I was I always thought there was like this imaginary line where the mm -hmm. moment that you crossed yeah. over it, like. Forget it, you're done. <laughs> yeah, see, they'd show you a map or something, yeah, right? And it'd be like, they yeah. show you the triangle. It's like, well, don't cross the line. Know, like, don't, don't fly into the triangle. I've solved it for you. <laughs> but I guess that's not really how it works. So. No. Yeah. That's, that's how I thought it was. <laughs> that's what I thought it was, too, way back in the day. But, yeah. <laughs> All right, is it time for cookies? Yeah, let's do it. All right, you grab them. Sure. Yeah, because this is another fun part of our podcast. Now you get to hear us munch for a half yeah. hour. So these are, Ooh. yeah, they look delish. Where's the, yeah, there we go. Yeah, they look awesome. I oh. love marble cookies. I'm going to break it in half. Yeah, okay. In package. Yeah, just well, this one, yep. okay. Um, so I'm going to open this one up first. Love marble cookies. Mm. Wegmans used to make the best, well, can I say that? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, I just dump sprinkles all over the place. Mmm, so good. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. Look up. I didn't mean to take a whole half, but I'm gonna take your other half. Great. These are good. So I can see up all of them. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. 
All right, let me get a little mm. bit of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can't go wrong yeah. with these. I like the marble a lot. Mm -hmm. It's got some almond extract. That's what I was going to say. It's like almond. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm a sucker for almond extract. Yeah, me too. Even though you can't eat nuts. I try to stay away from them. I don't want to create any issues, but... So don't get any peanut peanut butter cookies. Mm. <laughs> that problem. Mm. That's very uh, satisfying. Mm -hmm. So you're on schedule then for mm -hmm. next time, right? Yep. Do you know what you're talking about? I do. You can give a teaser. No. I'm going to give you exactly as many <laughs> hints as you gave me, which is zero. <laughs> No, I'll give you a hit. Um, it involves a crime. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy if I guessed it right now? It would, that would be crazy. Okay, I'll give you one guess. You said it was a murder, didn't you? I never said anything about a murder. Nope. It could be a murder. Oh, that's what it was. Like, it could be like you don't know if it was a murder, or I'm not you're saying, just trying to play around. And I'm not saying anything more. You'll have to wait until the next episode. Hmm. Alright. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know what to guess. Don't know. <clears throat> You'll have to I stay guess you tuned. have to wait till next time. You'll have to stay tuned. Okay. For the next episode of Generally Speaking, speaking About, about Crime. crime. <laughs>